complimentary power moves that you can do in the office or on the field or wherever your octagon or dojo of life happens to be. On the house, courtesy of Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker, if you see somebody you want to get some leverage on and that person asks you if you're having a nice day, say the best day of the rest of your life. They may not like you, but they will damn sure respect you. If you realize that you've said too much and you regret what has tumbled out of your mouth, say to the assembled, I trust you because you are wise enough to keep my secrets. That will shut them up good. This is Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker and host of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, kchungradio.org, medicated-minutes.com. I love you personally. Levity saves lives. If you don't like how your life is going, here's how to start over. Change your mind. Reframe the situation. Remember, it's not what's true. It's what you can trick yourself into believing. Change your scene. Change your milieu. Move to a new city. Be someone else. Move to the country. Find out why no one lives there. Or just stop going outside. Or blow it all up, alienate everyone, and disappear. Grow your own food, build your own shelter, learn how to masturbate correctly. Or feel the grief, forgive yourself, and keep moving. You may never get past your grief, but people will love you in spite of it. Or because of it, especially if you monetize it. Good luck. Listening to K Chung, K Chung Radio.org. Coming up next, Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. It's K Chung, 1630 AM, K Chung has arrived it's here this is what you've waited for this is what you prepared for this is the only thing that you've thought about 
for as long as you can remember. It started as a seed that took root in your mind a very long time ago. So long ago that you were mostly a different person. Who you are now is largely defined by the focus that you put on this. Thinking about it. Thinking about it some more. Thinking about it more broadly. Thinking about it in more depth. Talking about it. Talking about it so much that most of your people wanted you to stop. So you tried. You stopped talking about it. You tried to stop thinking about it. You failed to do that. You were locked in. This was your thing. You couldn't resist it. So you worked on it. You studied. You practiced. You put in your hours. You put in your reps. You failed and failed again and learned from those experiences and got better. You got better prepared for this moment, which is now here, and now it's gone, now it's behind you, and you don't remember anything about it. You got up, you delivered, you did what you prepared to do. It was like you were out of body and mind. You were not there. Something else took over, and that's why you don't remember what just happened. But you feel like it went pretty well. some new friends and first of all I'd like to thank you for applying for that uh, for putting together your packet and expressing your interest and showing up here today that takes a lot of guts and I appreciate that now I'm going to be frank with you I don't think you're qualified 
for this role. There's a lot of question marks. You don't really have the background that I'm looking for. You haven't shared a lot of life experiences. You know, it's... A lot of times I get tired of, of engaging and communicating with people and it's easy to fall back on shared nostalgia when that happens and you just don't have the frame of reference that it would take to have that lazy reference driven conversation that I need to get through times when I'm just not 100% on. So it's it would be challenging for both of us, I think, to get through those lazy conversations with the, um, the rather rich and robust bank of life experiences that I have versus what seems from your CV to be a rather threadbare life that you've lived. I'm not I'm not saying that to to cut you down. It's just it, it's a different place to be. Although I got to say your your banter is not really on point. I don't get the level of commitment and engagement and interest in me that I really want from someone in this position. And that kind of figures because I looked at your references and I don't know any of these people. I know a lot of people. I've got people who have my back on the on both coasts and in other places that are important and I've never heard of these people that, that you know also I, I like to gossip a lot that's how I feel safe like I know what is up with people and you don't know any of the people that I would need to talk smack about to someone in this position so that would be rough. I'd have to fill you in and give you a lot of background information uh, in order for you to learn on the job. And just right now, I'm not really feeling your energy. Uh, your your eye contact is not that good. There's not the, the polarity that I look for. And I got a lot of applications... And I'm still going through them. But the truth is that everyone else is a lot worse than you so far. So you probably got the job. I'll let you know by end of day Monday. Thanks again for your interest.
I've spent much of my life striving for excellence. I believe that how you do anything is how you do everything. So I try to do everything well. I think my track record is pretty good. Uh, there were some rough patches in the early years, but I learned from that. And I'm where I am today through dedication, persistence, and most of all, a commitment to excellence. But here's the thing, I am tired. Tired of delivering every day. I'm tired of, of living up to uh, this image that people have. So I'm changing the game a little bit. I've thought about this. It is a strategic decision. It's not something that I get into lightly at all. I'm going to be mediocre from now on. I'm going to take it down to the level that is relatable. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to use formulas and possibly cliches if I'm having an off night. Because... going at the level that I'm on, but I gotta keep going, so I'm gonna be dropping a few levels, right into the middle, and I am going to be mediocre in ways that you have never seen before. I'm going to be a new kind of modal. to be the definition of average. Just nail it right between the poles. Perfectly. I'm going to be extremely alright. I'm going to earn that 70%. I'm going to put the plus in C-plus work. And I'm going to do that every day. Because consistency is the heart of mediocrity. And that's where I'm going to be living from now on.
you have a life, and it's a pretty good life. It's you've got many of the same pleasures that other people enjoy. You have routines and structure, and you've got it figured out. You have some strong relationships. You go from being generally social and gregarious to developing attachments with certain people in your life, building strong relationships and building one relationship in particular that becomes the focal point of your life and provides some stability and strengthens your structure and gives you someone that you know very, very well, which takes some of the pressure off of you and off of the rest of the world and gives you some stability and some consistency and a threshold of expectation so that you can build a life around that and not worry about it so much, worry about other things, but over time, that relationship becomes over-leveraged. Too much pressure is put on that relationship and it starts to wear down. Things get boring. The sensations of pleasure start to degrade and things get washed out and gray. And over time, you realize that it's been a lot of time since you were excited since you were thrilled, since you really enjoyed life. And you can tell in your relationship that that is reciprocal, that you're picking up on your partner's disappointment and it's feeding into your own. It's getting more and more frustrating. It's getting worse and worse. And it feels like the pleasure is gone feels like it'll never come back. It feels like you can't even remember what it was like to be excited, to be in love, and to be alive, and to be optimistic. You're not optimistic. You're pessimistic. You're losing faith that things will improve. You don't remember what it was like to have fun, and sometimes you wonder if you've ever had fun. You try to look back and think of times when things were better, things were more vivid, things were more exciting, and maybe you were simply fooling yourself. Things were never that much fun. And then you make a big decision, and it hurts a lot. You realize that you can, in fact, still feel things, and predominantly you're feeling grief and agonizing pain. It's overwhelming. It's very sad and now you feel alive but there's no going back to the life that you had before this is a new and very vividly painful way to be alive and it it hurts it takes a wrecking ball through your self-concept through all of your expectations and your structure and everything that you've known and expected to be true and consistent and some days it hurts so much that you can't even get out of bed some days it doesn't even hurt you wish it would it's just this horrifying numbness 
and this goes on for longer than you would want it to. You try rushing your process of grief because you're ready for it to be over. You're ready to get back out there and be gregarious and exuberant and horny. And you just want to go ahead and do that. But it's not happening yet. And the pressure and the time boxing makes it that much more difficult for you because now there's an added layer of suffering. You're not just suffering because you're grieving and you're sad, but you're also beating yourself up and feeling shame over the fact that you're still sad after all this time, after everyone's sick of hearing about it. And that makes it harder and draws it out a little bit more. And in some moments, you are able to really feel that grief. And sometimes it's cathartic. And sometimes you just cry your eyes bloodshot and don't feel any better for it. It doesn't feel like you feel any better for it. Maybe you'll feel better someday. And then it goes back to the state where you can't really feel what's going on. And maybe you don't even know what's going on. It's in this gray, rainy day zone that never seems to get better. But very slowly, gradually, you get into a new place. And you're expecting, maybe hoping, that it's going to be sort of like the life that you had before, that you remember having. Because you miss that. You'd like to have at least some of that back. But of course, the memory is not accurate. And what's new is not quite what you expected or hoped for or anticipated. It's something else. And you feel raw because you haven't really integrated everything that's happened. And the sensations are very vivid and overwhelming. And it's a little bit painful at first. It takes some getting used to. It's more awkward, more weird than you anticipated. And then you start to notice a lot of new stuff in the mix. New opportunities, new sensations, a new way of dealing with things after you have integrated and included. And then in your own time, gradually begun to transcend the suffering that you've gotten used to It's now part of you, and it's part of this new life, and it's a new way to interface. Thank you, Greg. Uh, This story was inspired by the book The Art of Nonconformity by Chris Guillebeau and by Greg's amazing, wonderful idea. Ten Fears. Number one, I'm afraid I'll get nowhere and get bored. Number two, I'm afraid I'll get nowhere pleasant and get upset. Number three, I'm afraid that my belief that I'm basically good is a cop-out. I'm afraid that bad is real and tangible and that it's what I am. I'm afraid I'm getting an invoice. Number four, I'm afraid I'm basically bad as a person on a molecular level. 
I'm afraid that my sperm cells have horns and hiss. Number five, I'm afraid that I'm just mediocre. I'm afraid that mediocrity is what I'm really good at and what I was born to do and that I'm wasting my time feeling bad about that. Number six, I'm afraid that this song stuck in my head is trying to teach me a lesson. Number seven, I'm afraid that my inflamed pancreas resents me personally and will seek revenge. I'm going to break in here to lighten the mood. Uh, one of the reasons I started going to these meetups was that I got acute pancreatitis, so... I needed to get a hold of some hobbies that did not involve alcohol consumption, and writing turned out to be one of them. But uh, at a different meetup of Greg's, I uh, picked out a medical journal, and I decided to uh, get on the positive side of my situation, and I wrote some jokes about my pancreas. And I'd like to share three of them with you. My pancreas is so stupid, it started attacking itself with its own enzymes, causing acute pancreatitis. <laughs> Wine will blow your mind, but it takes a fifth of pinnacle whipped cream vodka to blow your pancreas. <laughs> I sure hope my cobra kicks in soon. I've got gastroenterologist payments out the ass. And he's really getting down my throat about it. Number eight. I'm afraid the idea of interdependence is just a sales pitch from a cynic who wants to take advantage of me. Number nine, I'm afraid that contrary to what Fred Rogers said, I will go down the drain. I'm afraid that people will pass the news story around, chuckle about it for a few days, and forget. Number ten, I'm afraid that in an unprecedented move, this will not pass. Thanks.
breathing.
watching. Breathing. 
thinking. Thinking. Releasing. But my assumption has always been, based on what I know, which obviously is inconclusive, I've always believed that the first time is the hardest time. But after you've died once, gets a lot easier. Now you can spend your whole life doing prep work for that. Some people do, some people don't do enough. But that first time is always going to be a surprise. It's going to be different from the way you thought. You're not going to be ready for it. It's going to change your mind about everything. And you can hope and pray that it's just going to be a little blip. Maybe you won't even really notice it. But with the luck you've been having lately, 
could see it happening in some kind of ridiculous way that's gonna get on the news that's gonna be talked about that's gonna be colorful that's gonna be loud that's gonna be a spectacle you're not prepared for that. I've heard the first cut is the deepest, and I believe that. The first time... the force of fate or the world or whatever it is that makes these things happen. The first time that cuts off your head is going to be the hardest to deal with. Your head will fall to the ground. there by gravity and rainbows will shoot from the hole where it used to be in the top of your torso fireworks will go off pyrotechnics thousands of dollars and flashy entertainment. Big boom booms shooting into the sky. And the grand finale of everything that you've been and done and thought and believed and wanted to believe and wanted to do and wanted to be up to this point. Ceremoniously comes to an end as the rainbows unravel into the sky and you've got creatures sliding down the rainbows seals and sea lions and goats and mythical creatures that you can't really place because they haven't existed for a long time but now here they are and you wonder how you're seeing all of this Because it seems as though your life as you had thought about it is is now ending and you were expecting your consciousness and awareness to end with it, or at least at around the same time. But you're seeing this you're knowing it somehow and that's how you know that that life is not singular it's not one person it's not in the space between your ears although that's 
fascinating and worthy of study. It's not in your heart or your belly or your intestines, although many times you, you felt as though it was. It's onward motion. It stops for no person. It stops for no thing, no incident. No arbitrary day and time. It simply goes on. And somehow you, or some version thereof, is still a part of this. Not as you had perceived yourself to be in the past. There were a lot more rigid distinctions in place at that time, and those served a purpose. They kept you on track, in a sense, able to pay your taxes and show up for work and order food without freaking out yourself or others. That's all gone, and in a way, things are a lot easier. You have reabsorbed into a greater consciousness, like a drop of rain hitting the surface of the ocean. abandoned your rent is due and you're not going to be able to take care of that now anything that was on your to-do list is going to stay there indefinitely people are going to start wondering about you in a few days and there aren't going to be any easy answers for those people right away Now that you've done this once, it's going to be easier the next time, and the next time, and the time after that, and over 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 again. It's not easy to do, but the first time is the hardest.
listening. Releasing. Breathing. Constructing, reconstructing, rebuilding, coming back, changing, shifting. Realigning. Breathing. Balancing. Feeling. 
sing. Stretching. Breathing. Blinking. Coming back. Thinking. Noticing. Acknowledging. Breathing. to Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, kchungradio.org, 1630 a.m. Coming out of Chinatown in Los Angeles. Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes is written, produced, and performed by Emerson Dameron. Music from Jesse Spillane used with artist permission. More stuff on the way. I'm Emerson Dameron. This is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, medicated-minutes.com, kchungradio.org. Levity saves lives. Levity saves lives.